A quick warning, this episode includes discussions of sexual assault. As always, we encourage our club members to practice self-care and look out for themselves. What have you done to it? What have you done to its eyes? Hello, club members. Shut up. <laughs> Hello, club members. I'm Kate. And I'm Emma. And welcome back to another episode of the Nightlight Horror Movie Club. Today's episode was recommended by two club members. It was recommended by club member Michael L. from D.C., as well as club treasurer Little Lost. So thank you guys so much Aww. for recommending this episode. It was um, a bit, it, it won by a landslide on the patron poll. It really um, did. So very, very excited. I can't, I can't believe I, that we haven't, I've never seen this movie before. Ever. I have not either. Um, to be fair, I thought it was going to be boring. And I think I watched a trailer one time and I was like, what is this about? By at the end of the trailer. And that was just like, a, that just kind of cut it, <laughs> turned the movie off for me. Also, it's a scary movie. So there's that. So image was checked out to begin with. <laughs> yeah. But. I will say that when it won, I was very curious because I was like, you know, I think it's about time that I see this. I need to add it to my lexicon. Like, yeah, that that's it. That's exactly why I was like, okay, it's time. It, it you know, the name of our patron poll was movies that I can't believe we haven't covered yet. <laughs> Whenever um, after I finished this movie, I literally picked Raja was acting out my cat, and I picked him up, and I was like, Rosemary's baby, right here, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> little demon cat. So I can't wait he to is use a little that. Rosemary's baby. <laughs> I can't wait to use that Ro- in Rosie many cat. different contacts. I'm like, hello, Rosie. Um, before we go, before we go any further, I just want to give a, a very quick spoiler warning. We will be spoiling Rosemary's Baby. This movie came out in 1968. Um, so honestly, you're, I didn't feel really, honestly. We're good people for giving you a spoiler warning because it came out like 50 years ago in the movie they're talking about an older character and they're like he's born in 1865 i was like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> and he was still alive they're like yeah he was born in the 1800s i was like oh okay also a couple of things about this movie that i noted um about the the time frame of being from the 60s which i'm sure you did as a doctor emma as well um everyone's fucking smoking around the baby <laughs> around the pregnant woman also she i don't know how many drinks she had but i was like maybe that's why your baby's acting funny like she was slamming wine yes. slamming those what were they called the vodka blushes yes those looked great i'm not gonna lie those looked great i would still take I, one from Minnie or whatever her name was I, I wouldn't take one from Minnie, but i would definitely make one on my own because i found out what the recipe is so if you guys are at home <laughs> Before you enjoy this episode further, I'm going to need you to go get some vodka or some club soda if you're not a drinker, uh, some lime juice and some grenadine because that's literally all it takes to make a vodka blush. And also, I think that the drink itself is just from the book because this was a book before it was a movie Um, because I read the excerpt from the book and I can't find a cocktail recipe that doesn't reference the movie (laughs) or the book. I love that. I hope that they it was I hope there was a little cutout in the book like a little insert in the book where it talked about the ingredients that's great <laughs> little interactive yeah cocktail slash horror book yeah like when you read Harry Potter and it'll show you like in the like special scroll like what was being sent by the owl post I want those kind of vibes but in this horror book 
Stephen King, take note. We want more interaction in your horror movies. <laughs> I want to see a pop-up book, perhaps. <laughs> I want some texture. I want to feel what that evil letter looked like and felt like. I want it all. I want to see the demonic sonogram. I want there to be a little letter you can take out of the book and interact with. Are we still talking about Harry Potter? <laughs> no, that time I was talking. <laughs> that time I was talking about that limit. <laughs> That I almost said Lemony Pinkett Smith, which is two very different human beings. I was talking about Lemony Snicket. Lemony Snicket? Pinkett? <laughs> I'm talking about Lemony Snicket. Oh. And then it turned into Jada Pinkett Smith. A series of unfortunate events. Yeah, so you got the- Lemony Pinkett Smith. <laughs> <laughs> you got me that book one time that was about like That's the secret. <laughs> that was about the secrets of um, yeah, the series of I unfortunate did. events. Yeah. Which I couldn't I did, read yeah. for the longest time because I hadn't finished the books. You still haven't finished that book. Uh, I read the wiki. You know what? We're not here to talk about. <laughs> no, that doesn't count. We're not here to talk about the series of unfortunate events, which spoilers is a great, great novel, great series. Um, but I do. I would have liked for there to be an included cocktail in the series of unfortunate events. But at home, the cocktail of the episode is the vodka blush. Go make it. Come back. We'll wait. Okay, perfect. You're back. You're hydrated. Let's get started. All right. Now for club bulletins. That's my paper. Is this that- time it's a binder. <laughs> but you know what? We're doing So that. Emma's trying to do like a Walter Cronkite like paper shuffling thing, but she <laughs> just uses a binder. So it sounds <laughs> like we're getting have- clobbered by the news. It's a... <laughs> clobbered by the news I love it no it was a planner but um it had the same effect as the binder I used last time so you know one day it will sound really legit (laughs) okay enough of that no it won't I I like the trapper keeper hitting the mic I think it's great (laughs) okay so so first of all welcome back to all of our club members um and for those of you who are here for the first time welcome we're so glad that you're here and that you joined the club and if you're thinking did i join the club yes yes you did by listening to this episode you you became a club member and we're so glad to have you (laughs) um again there are no dues for the club um but if you're really into paying dues if that's your thing and you just want to support us a little bit more um then please feel free to join our patreon um there are different officer rankings for different levels of support Um, and actually we do have a new club officer and shall I say not only is it an officer it's a vice president whoa okay VP we got a new VP in the building (laughs) in the school the schoolhouse room where we have our club meetings yes I honestly I think of it as uh where we did dance in junior high I think of it as it as that like band band slash yeah that band band hall that's exactly what I think of I always imagine that we're in like like an algebra class yes (laughs) oh I love that too um well (laughs) whether you're sitting in an algebra class right now or sitting in a a band hall uh we just want to give a little shout out to our new vice president who not only has voting power he also has tie-breaking power um and that is the one and only James Bell James Bell, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you um, joining our leadership. And not only... Thank you, James. <laughs> and not only do I have um, the pleasure of introducing the new VP, I actually have a review that um, I wanted to give a little bit of a... Um, I wanted to share with y'all. So this is from... Emma has a happy eyebrows. I think this is a good one. <laughs> she can't see most of my face because it's clouded by the mic or it's blocked by the mic, but she can see my eyebrows and they are indeed happy. 
and they are expressive. <laughs> I have the beautiful <laughs> trait rattling. of, of I can I can move them one by one both. I can move my ears. Um, if only this was not a audio format. So our um, yeah, it's wasted, <laughs> wasted. Uh, give the people what they want. So our review is from James Bell, our new our new VP. He gave us five stars because he's an angel, um, and he said the following. These sisters are great. I listen to their podcast when I'm washing dishes dishes with my friend Mark. We love it. Short, succinct. Oh, that's really cute. Paints a picture. I love it. Hello, James. Hello, Mark. Thank you for listening and being amazing club club members. I love it when when people leave reviews and they tell us like what they do when they listen to the podcast. Because I know that when I listen to podcasts, I'm like getting ready for work or I'm like driving and it's just like fun to know how we're like joining other people's day I love that I love that very very much oh that's nice thanks thanks yeah. James we really appreciate that so those are all the club bulletins I have I will give it back to you Kate uh, for your movie breakdown or movie synopsis you know actually I have the I have the less fun stuff first you get the fun <laughs> things I get the the less fun things so I, in case you missed the first trigger warning, I'm going to give a second trigger warning. Um, some of this stuff is kind of hard to hear. We will be talking about Roman Polanski because talking about a movie that a that a, that a rapist made is really sickening, and we need to kind of talk about that. Um, even more so, how important this movie is to the horror genre and how it's it's very conflicting. Um, and I it's just it's just a lot, especially knowing what we know now about Polanski. It just makes this whole movie extremely hard to watch um and i and i just make it very clear that i am not going to be singing that man's praises i'm not going to be talking about his direction the screenplay i don't give a shit about any of that because this is a bad person but i will be talking about things about the movie i like and all the credit will be going to the author of the novel ira levin yeah this that asshole got i think i think he got an oscar for um writing which I, I know we do adapted screenplays in with in the Academy Awards, but like fuck that man. Let's let's focus on the author. Yeah, I don't I don't want to. I'm not going to focus on what he brought to this movie because so many other people contributed to this movie in amazing ways and a lot in ways that Polanski didn't want <laughs> that would have completely changed the direction of this movie for for the worse. So um, don't like him, and uh, we'll be talking about him, but. I just want to say that we're going to be talking about all the other people that contribute to this movie and what makes this movie special. All right, let's do it. All right, film breakdown. Are you ready? I am ready. Film genre. You know what it is. We all know what it is. This is pregnancy horror at its finest. <laughs> Sounds redundant. It, it's, it does sound redundant, doesn't <laughs> it? So I've never had a child. I don't plan on having a child. Emma has never had a child. Are you still? planning on having a child after this movie um yes but not with a partner who would say didn't want to give up baby night so not not with that kind of fella oh my god oh my god fuck that guy fuck guy the worst husband worst husband i've ever seen in a movie and i've seen a lot of movies yeah he's horrendous uh let me just say i have i have a line i wrote down for him um where is it Sorry, whenever she wakes up covered in scratches and he's like, oh, sorry about the scratches. I didn't want to miss baby night. And then says it was kind of fun in a necrophile kind of way. Talking about sleeping with his wife, having sex with his wife while she was unconscious. Yeah. If anyone says that, uh, please run. 
I don't even think I have to tell you that. Y'all are all very intelligent human beings. But We're going to tell them, though. Yeah, let yeah, me just please reiterate. Run. Please run. Yeah, email us and we'll kick their asses. <laughs> we're, we're, now we're like contractors to beat people's asses. Uh, we're husband vigilantes at this point. I'm sorry. I love it. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> but Pregnancy Horror at its finest. It was released in 1968, which is why everyone's like smoking and drinking throughout the pregnancies. Um, the budget was my favorite part, obviously. Budget was $3.2 million, which adjusted for inflation is closer to like $25 million. Oof. So huge budget. Um, and at the box office, it made like $33.4 million, which is an insane hmm. amount based on how much you put in. So again, adjusted for inflation, that's closer to like $267 million. Jesus. So extremely financially successful. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously we know it was directed and the screenplay was written by Roman Polanski. I'm just going to talk about him in a minute. But the source material was from Ira Levin's 1967 novel by the same name. And um, I'm, I'm going to talk a lot about um, the producer who I think gets the most credit for making this movie happen. And that is William Castle. Ugh, should I talk about him now? I have so much to say. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, let's talk about William Castle because this guy was so fascinating to read about. So he is the main producer. He's the one who bought the rights to this movie and um, went to Paramount to get to get it made. And he was supposed to direct it, but Paramount was like, no, we want Polanski to direct it. And so that was like the only way that he could continue to make the movie. So he just went on as a producer, not the director. Boo! Yeah. Boo, my, Paramount. My big takeaway, um, and we'll talk about it more, but my big takeaway from all the research I did um, with this movie was that Hollywood's really fucked up. Like that was, that literally was like Hollywood's my big takeaway. so fucked up. Ew. Well, William Castle seems absolutely delightful. I'm so excited to talk about him. So William Castle was famous for his ability. He was a big producer and he was famous for his ability to make fast, cheap B movies that people really enjoyed. Um, as a side note, he has a cameo as the guy outside the phone booth whenever mm. um, Mia Farrow, Rosemary, is, you know, when she's like panicking. A very the effective scene. The phone booth. Very effective. That is William Castle, baby. And he grew up surrounded by horror and drama so he was a really big fan of um bella lugosi's dracula yeah that's how old this movie is the producer went and he saw bella lugosi um at many of his play performances he managed to meet lugosi eventually and then bella lugosi himself who is framed in a poster on my wall (laughs) bella lugosi himself recommended William Castle for a position as an assistant stage manager for the play's road company tour for Dracula. Oh, wow. So Castle at the eight, he was 15. Aww. He drops out of high school, drops out and is like, I'm going on Broadway. And so he started on Broadway with uh, Bella Lugosi. I don't recommend it, kids, but I do love that he did that and <laughs> that he was recommended for it by Bella Lugosi. Yeah, don't do this, but it's, it's a good story. Um, and so he became kind of a very famous producer and by famous I mean he was famous for the stuff he made his name itself wasn't huge and what he was most famous for is these horror movies that he made that had these gimmicks so I I loved reading about these gimmicks there's so many but I do want to talk about a couple of them one of them Emma you already know about hmm 
I'll tell you about it in a minute. But we've talked about it on another episode and we didn't know it was Castle. But his gimmick. So it first started. I'm sorry. I touched my mic. His gimmick. So it first started whenever he made his first ever independent movie, which he mortgaged his house to make. Damn. This was. Don't do that either. (laughs) This was um, in 1958. So I don't know. A house was like $10. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a little salty. I'm, I'm home shopping right now. And y'all, it is rough out there. It is scarier than Rosemary's baby as a home <laughs> as a home buyer right now. <laughs> Terrifying. But he was he first started this. He mortgaged his home to make this movie and it was called Macabre. It was in 1958. And as his little gimmick, he gave every moviegoer a one thousand dollar life insurance policy in case they should die of fright <laughs> during the movie. Oh, that's really cute. So cute. And he had nurses in the lobby and he also had hearses parked outside. I the movie love was it. A hit, so so cute. And then he did House on House on Haunted Hill, which was um, around the same time. And at the final act of the movie, there's a skeleton that rises from a vat of acid and chases um, the villainess, who I think is Vincent Price's wife in the movie, again, of that era. And during that scene in the theaters, he had a skeleton with red lit eyes that was attached to wires that would float over the audience during the final act. Um, and once word spread about the skeleton, all these kids would come and try to knock it down. They throw candy at it and soda cups. See, this is to to this is what I want down. in a movie. This is why I always love going to the Alamo Draft House with you. Is because I want an experience when I go to a movie. Otherwise, I can watch it at home. <laughs> like we're in this era where everything's at home, so you have to add something extra. Yes. So I want so badly to go see um, Rocky Horror Picture Show and like throw rice when they get married and do the whole shebang. That's like that's my vibe for a movie. Oh my god. I did that for the Cats movie, which I talk about in our Cats episode, but I went to a rowdy showing of the Cats movie and you would like scream out who you, who you wanted to win. Uh, <laughs> who I love you wanted it. to go to the, to the heaven side lair and then we'd all wave um, handkerchiefs whenever Jennifer Hudson would sing. <laughs> Fun times. But William Castle started it. He started all this. He had a bunch of other ones. There was one he did. It was a movie called The Tingler. Um, so spooky. Where um, basically I think the villain of the movie would like jump into people's spinal cords and shock them or something like that. Ugh. And so he um, he got a bunch of um, army surplus planes, I think. <laughs> army surplus gear. And he this got man thinks vibrating big. motors from the gear. He does. He thinks outside the box. So he got all these vibrating motors and he would like rig a couple of seats to like zzz, like vibrate and shock, you know, quote unquote shock. Yeah moviegoers during like the climax and so people would like try to see which seat it was like the vibrating that's seat. really exciting really cool and the one that you know about that we've talked about that we didn't know was william castle was when he did the original 13 ghosts and that was the illusion o do you remember illusion o mm, remind it was me. basically they the it had these ghost viewers which are basically like the 3d yes glasses, no i talked 3D. about this yes yeah where there's a red cellophane on one side and blue cellophane on the other. And the idea was that basically you could see the ghosts in the movie if you were wearing the glasses. It wasn't perfect, but it was like the 50s. Yeah. And, I mean, and it was that's something. Still it really, was new. Really cool. So that was all William Castle. So whenever how he how he got into Rosemary's Baby, he mortgaged his home again. <laughs> this man does not like again, his home very much. A second time. 
he wants to make the movies because he's making all these B movies and um you know they're doing they're doing fine but they're B movies they're not like big A A list events so he he wanted to make something very very good and so he obtained the rights to Rosemary's Baby with the funds he got from mortgaging his home and he he got the rights to the movie um, I mean to the novel before it was even published he somehow got like the galley proofs of the book mm-hmm. and um he made a deal with Paramount to make the movie but Paramount was basically like yeah we're only going to do it if Polanski is directing it which is bullshit so Castle wasn't allowed to direct his own movie yeah um, it's bullshit awful awful stuff but all of this we're going to credit all of this this whole movie straight to William Castle I'm down all to Castle also Mia Farrow how Mia Farrow got involved in this movie is so interesting did you know Roman Polanski did not want her to be in this movie wait what no I did not know that yeah, he didn't because he fucking sucks in every way possible. He wanted like a robust, like full-figured girl next door type, which is not Mia Farrow. Um, he was looking at like Jane Fonda and Goldie Hawn, which honestly would not have been the right vibe for this movie. I don't think but so. I think she was the perfect. Paramount. No, she was mwah, chef's kiss. Perfect. And the Paramount exec was Robert Evans, who also had a hand in The Godfather in Chinatown. And he was basically like, no, you need something different. You need someone who's hot right now. <laughs> And Pharaoh was not really a big deal in movies, but she was pretty popular from the TV series Peyton Place, which was huge. Mm-hmm. And she had just married Frank Sinatra out of nowhere, which had her yes. in all of the papers. So yes, yes. Polanski was like, mm, if I have to, then I'll do it. Side note, Sinatra was pissed that, he, that she took the job because he demanded that whenever they got married, she would quit acting entirely. Yes, this I did know. Do you know my, I have a side side note. Sinatra also served divorce papers in front of the cast and crew of this movie because she acted in it. And then Pharaoh was like, I need to save my marriage and was trying, was like begging Evans, the producer to be released from contract. And he was like, girl, you're crazy. Come look at this rough cut that we made. You're incredible. Sinatra sucks. And she was like, okay, I'll stay in the movie. Yeah, no. So I did not know that he served the divorce papers on set that's really on set brutal extra so extra i did know that like she would so she was pretty young and she had just gotten married to him and she would like he would take her out to lunch and she would run off to, with him to lunch and come back like so excited and like flitting around this flitting around the set and like and like made a, an odd comment about how she gets a lot of attention from older men like i i did know that there were Ew. weird there were some weird tones with that and i knew that he was did not want her um did not want her acting and wanted her to um quit acting and i knew that he divorced her during the movie so fucking gross yeah <laughs> sinatra canceled canceled yeah honestly a lot of uh, we're learning a lot of things we did not want to know about you know these historic yeah truly uh, people in in music music and movies yeah uh men were horrible horrible they still are but they're a little better you're a little yeah. better now, guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll keep you in You the know club. what else is horrible? Something I will say about um, something extra horrible that Polanski did during the filming of this movie. You know the scene where um, Rosemary is like really dazed and she's been... I think this she is my behind the scene like, that you are stealing from me. So... Do you want to... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you want to just say it? No, I was playing with you. But yes, I do know this because oh, it's I'm my sorry. behind the scene. I'm sorry. No, it's okay, Kate. I ruined it. I'm sorry. No, do it again. Try it again and say, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
I felt bad. No, that's okay. So I have plenty of horrible things to say about Polanski, but I will start by saying that on this movie, um, so he actually, and this is also goes into the, to my whole spiel, but she, um, she being, uh, Mia Farrow ultimately had a good relationship with Roman Polanski, but he, uh, did some very, uh, who was the director of The Shining? Oh, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, did also some very not a good person. Yeah, did some very very Stanley Kubrick esque things. And one of which was in that scene where she's dazed and like you know thinking of everything that's going on. She like walks in front of traffic. Um, he actually wanted her to walk in front of real traffic. I don't know why he didn't feel like <gasps> you needed to hire like why you couldn't hire stunt drivers. Oh but, my god! So we had her walk in front of real traffic, and no, everyone else was like real what? New York City traffic, New York City traffic, and everyone else was like what? So the only person they could get to direct it was Roman Polanski. So he's the one holding the camera, the handheld, while she literally walked in front of traffic for that scene. And like as you can see, people were pissed and confused and almost hit her. All that was real. That's awful. Yeah. And to top it all off, whenever like whenever he was trying to convince her to do this, she was understandably a little bit concerned about walking in front of traffic. And, and he was like, don't worry about it. No one's nobody's going to hit a pregnant lady. That's so manipulative and gross. I don't like this man for so many reasons. Yeah. And this is one of the 8,000 reasons. And I read this really interesting review whenever I was learning about this. And they were basically, they made such a good point. They were like, you know, it worked out. So everyone would herald him as a genius for doing it. Had she been hit by a car, it would have gone a very different direction. But the action and the pressure that he put on her was the same regardless. That's horrible. That's horrible. What a fucking horrible person. Yeah. Let's talk about how horrible of a person this gentleman is. Shall I say gentleman? He's not a gentleman. This man. So Roman Polanski, um, just to give context for those who have maybe heard about him and been like, I think I'm supposed to not like him, but why? I don't quite remember. So he, uh, about within 10 years of this, he actually um, had to flee the country. That being because basically there was a, a woman... Well, no, there wasn't a woman. There was a child named Samantha uh, Geimer who, she was 13 years old. Um, her mom was getting into acting and uh, her, she also wanted to get into acting. So um, Roman Plansky had interacted with the mom and had convinced the mom to, to get her daughter to come do a photo shoot. They ended up doing this photo shoot at, um, at it, for whatever reason, it's at, it's at Jack Nicholson's house. Jack Nicholson is away somewhere. Um, he ends up getting Ew. this 13-year-old. He's having her drink champagne. He's having her do topless photos. He actually gave oh her... Oh, my God. Slipped her a part of a quaalude and then was urging her to get into a jacuzzi <gasps> naked during the magazine photo shoot. Um, she was so uncomfortable She's that she 13, 13, she faked an asthma attack during all of this to get out of the hot tub. At some point she's in the room. Um, Angelica Houston actually was at the house and what got a little bit suspicious. So she like was knocking on the door and he's like, we're finishing up a photo shoot. And so she left it alone. Um, and ultimately he, uh, rapes her. Of course he does. 
So he rapes her, That's and awful. then she goes home, calls her boyfriend, is telling her boyfriend about it on the phone. Her mom overhears her, calls the police. He gets arrested. He gets, um, basically, he gets trial. He's about he's going to go on trial for this. Ultimately, he realizes that he's going to face a jail senate sentence, and so he flees to uh, France, where he has been ever since, and he just avoids going to places that are likely to extradite him back to America. Oh, and he continues to make movies and win awards for them. Oh, yeah, he does. Um, on top of that, so I, whenever I was looking into that, because I used to kind of confuse um, Woody Allen and Roman Plansky because they're both famous pieces of shit. Um, yeah. And I forgot that Mia Farrow, the way I knew of her was through her her relationship to Woody Allen. Basically, that she, she was married to Woody Allen. And then Woody Allen... Um, like prior to getting married to him, she had adopted, she had several children and um, had adopted um, several of them. And then whenever her, so basically the first thing that happens is she like stumbles across photos of like a stack of nudes of one of her children, um, Soon Yi. <gasps> yeah, who at the time that she found them was 21, but they, do, they don't know exactly how old she was when these photos are found. So then... Um, Basically, Woody Allen ends up leaving Mia Farrow for his stepdaughter, Sunyi. They have a relationship. And then she finds out that her um, daughter, Dylan Farrow, who was seven seven years old at the time, was molested by Woody Allen. So she takes, tries to take him to court. And then despite all of that, everyone, it, the way that goes, everyone is saying that she's lying, that she's just um, bitter about the fact that he, her daughter, that he, basically Woody Allen left her for her daughter. It's all really fucked up. Um, and then like, even despite that, uh, they tried to basically tried to say that, like, that she was being coached. There was a, a really good publicity team behind Woody Allen to smear, to smear um, Mia Farrow. And ultimately... Um, she, that, all of that ends. And then he goes on to continue being wildly successful. And then in 2014, they have the Cecil B. DeMille Awards that the Golden Globes does. They end up giving an award to Alan. This is in 2014. This is way after all of that Mm -hmm. because everyone's complicit. Um, and then later on, uh, Dylan Farrow, when she's an adult, stands by the things that she had quote been coached to say. She stands by them completely independently of her mom. She writes, articles and she says i quote what if it had been your child kate blanchett louis ck alec baldwin what if it had been you emma stone or you scarlett johansson you knew me when i was a little girl diane keaton have you forgotten me woody allen is a living statement a living testament to the way our society fails the survivors of sexual assault and abuse that's so awful and horrible so on top of all of this, I just want to add that one of her other one of her other children, Ronan Farrow, he was he got a Pulitzer Prize for investigating the sexual abuse allegations against Weinstein for NBC News. That was Farrow's baby. Yes. Oh my God! But so Mia, so Rosemary's baby, she had a demon, and then she had an angel. Yes, but just to muddy the waters a little bit, later no, on, no, later on in 2000, and I believe it was four, but early 2000s for sure, um, she, 
Mia Farrow actually flies to Paris to defend Roman Polanski against accusations, not about the the sexual abuse incident, but about these other accusations um, that had come up that he was suing he was suing um, a um, an outlet for libel for. So she was actually on friendly terms fuck? with him, which is just really confusing. And you know, we get really what the fuck? we're all behind Mia Farrow, and then we're just like, wait, what? So oh my god, it's damn all it. muddy, That's so annoying. It's all muddy and gross, and just makes me so 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 happy that I'm not in the show business. Just Jesus Christ. That's so awful. You know, you talked about how Woody Woody Allen got an award in 2014. So did Roman Polanski. Yeah. He, in, in 2014, this movie, Rosemary's Baby, was selected by the National Film Registry to be preserved by the Library of Congress because it was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And honestly, everyone who's listening to this, I get it. Like, it's it's an important movie for the horror genre. The acting is very, very special. The story is very, very special and unique. But none of that is more important than what these children went through i'm so sorry i don't give a fuck if this is culturally significant that's horrible and i don't want people to continue talking about polanski in a positive way and talking about his art like i'm sorry i'm not gonna hang up hitler's paintings on my wall i don't care how fucking good they are that's awful and we should stop doing shit like that yeah it's this interesting eternal question about can you separate the art from the artist and i it sounds like you would argue why do you want to yeah why do you want to? Like, why do you want to is my thing. Like, is this movie more important than literally shattering children? Like, actual children. Not movie children. Like, actual children. And ruining lives and futures. Yep. No, not to me. No, it's not. And that's why I watched this movie. Um, This movie, uh, which is what's so crazy to me. This movie is about like how how women are treated and how women are gaslit and abused and it's just crazy to me that these are the people these are the people who made it that's insane to me it really is so and it proves it really is so interesting well, that i agree like the way this movie like if you told me it was written by like a feminist that i love i'd be like yeah that makes sense so it's just really confusing yeah. and I almost feel like in the from the like only the eye of the abuser could like it's just so weird and conflicting and there's something very interesting about the fact that this this movie really does a lot in a very you know very early for its time to call out the sort of sexist let we have to take care of the woman the woman's crazy like we need to defer to her um her uh, like masculine uh counterparts not even just her husband but like her doctors who are men like all, any yes, any any male um any male influence should be taken more seriously than the person themselves who should be treated as hysterical so it's very confusing to me that this was done by roman polanski i just can't make sense of it well he didn't write the story you know what i mean like this isn't his story that's true so all the good parts of this movie are to me have nothing to do with him like this he didn't write this story this was a novel he didn't even pick this story up it's not like he was the genius that saw this but whenever it was a novel it was like this is gonna be a great movie that was castle yeah he wasn't the one who picked mia farrow who was like the star of the movie that was evans one of the executive producers at paramount so like he gets no credit 
Yeah. Also, I'll just add to that, that just a, the little sprinkle of an anecdote that during the Me Too movement, he was describing as mass hysteria, which I think is hilarious <gasps> for somebody no, who fucking didn't somebody who has run away because because of their horrific behavior. Absolutely atrocious. Fuck him. I hope he slides down a banister full of razor blades. Awful person. Zero out of ten. <laughs> you too, Woody Allen. Yeah, honestly, both of them. I actually, I know we don't always talk about this, but I do want to talk about the plot because I think that the plot is incredible. I think the plot is really, really good. And I think a lot of people haven't seen it because it's a really, it's a much older movie. Before we talk about the plot, should we talk about how it was received? Before we get into the the content of the movie itself, I'd love to just quickly talk about how it was received. Um, since you have talked about yeah, how much it me. made. So in short, it was well-received. Now for our little game, how do you think it did, both with critics and with audience based on its Rotten Tomato score? Okay, I'm going to say critics. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get crazy. I'm going to say like 97%. Okay. And I'm going to say audience, 86%. Kate, do you know, have you, have you seen this? No, am I right? You're pretty close to right. It was 96% critics, 87% audience. (gasps) I don't know. I'm suspicious. I am suspicious. (laughs) I swear I didn't look it up. I swear I didn't look it up. Okay. I swear. I pinky promise. Club promise. I I believe you. I believe you. So I, um, I'm so, okay. That was good. I'm good. I'll give it to you. For the, <laughs> for the critic reviews, I had to be careful to find ones that didn't um, talk about Polanski and like laud Polanski. Yeah. Um, so there were two that I just thought were interesting. Well, one's just kind of a more generalized one. And one, I, did, I was, it really had me thinking after I read it and I didn't, I wanted to get your take on how you interpreted it. So the first one. Oh, do tell. The first one is just the general positive review. It's, this is from Kathleen Carroll from the uh, NY Daily News. So she says, Right to its bitter end, there is no escaping Rosemary's Baby. On film, Ira Levin's best-selling novel is as horribly frightening as it was on paper. Oh, good. Yeah, that's a good review. Checks out. So, And that means that the, the book is good, and uh, I don't necessarily need to read it because it sounds like the book is as good as the movie was. Yeah, I'll go ahead and tell you that I tried to look into the book, but the movie has, has been so big, it was hard to, first of all, get to the book. And then whenever I was reading about the book, the book is very similar to the movie. Um, so there's really not a whole lot to add other than that it was a top best-selling horror novel of the 1960s. Oh, and also that author also wrote Stepford Wives. Oh, that makes sense. Doesn't that it? checks out. Doesn't it? I did, um, I did read parts, like some excerpts of the book, and they were just like shot for shot the movie. Like the words were the same. Exactly what happens is the same. Like the vodka blush is getting spilled on the carpet. Like all of it. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> exactly one of those. The same. And maybe that's why it's such a good movie because it's so well written. It's a good story. I will say that um, a- it, when it was published in the, Sp- the Spanish translation, um, the Spanish translation, actually, they censored certain parts of it that they felt like were glorifying Satan. Um, and as... The- that's the whole movie. <laughs> and at least to since... As of 2019, at least, um, all of the Spanish language editions still have those same cuts in them. So they don't say Hail Satan. I guess not. <laughs> That's so weird. 
Those are the bad guys, though. Did they did they miss that part? Like, just ban the whole book. The protagonists aren't the baby stealers. Yeah, we're not rooting for Satan. Okay, so then the second one that I just wanted to read, because I want to get your take on it. So this is from Eric Henderson from Slant Magazine. Basically, he says... So long as there are men in power who are still fuzzy on the definition of rape, Rosemary's baby will endure as a cautionary tale. And I was like, are you shouting out Plansky right here? Like, where are you getting at with this? Um, I don't think it is a cautionary tale. Do tell. I think it's more of a, I feel like that if I'm, someone's watching this, I think that the people who will get the most out of it would, would be women. Because I feel like men would watch this and be like, well, obviously I wouldn't do that because it's so extreme. I wouldn't do that. But women are like, oh, you're right. This is not how people deserve to be. Women deserve to be talked to or treated. And she's being treated like she's crazy. This is crazy. I think you could even say like way before the she's crazy part of it, the little insidious ways that Guy is suggesting um, – her husband. Guy, her husband, is taking um, authority and um, independence away from her. I think those are, you could look at it as these are warning signs for a uh, man who does not respect you and who wants you exactly. as a trophy or wants you to fit into his life rather than to be your own full self. Nailed it. That's exactly what it is. Because he treats her just well enough that she's like, okay, he loves me. And then he'll just do something or say something that is like, what? And he's like, you know, baby, that's not what I meant. You know, oh, I love it's you. I'm honestly, taking care of you. Look at this pretty house. It's kind of painful to watch. Like anyone who's been in a relationship that has not been healthy um, can relate to the feeling of feeling so good in the good moments and then little insidious things where it sits poorly with you, but it gets kind of bookended with a good moment. So you let those things pass. A hundred percent. Yes. And that's what Rosemary did. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it started off much subtler. And then towards the end, he was just like, I'm not paying for you to see another doctor. I'm not going to do that. No, give me the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it escalates as she realizes, wait, yeah, this isn't right. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. Um, and then just before you get into the, the meat of it, I just want to give a shout out to Ruth Gordon. So that was Minnie and she actually won an Oscar for this. Oh, she's incredible. Oh, yeah. She won an Oscar for this. She's a huge actress. You know, you know, that's Maude, right? Yes. That's Harold and Maude. Yeah, I did know that. She was a scene stealer, Ruth. Many, she was Minnie Cassavette from across the street. She was nuts. She, I, like, literally just her eating a slice of cake. I was staring at her the whole time. Yes. And I love that at the end of it, even when she's like, here, have this tea. She retains her mininess. Like she still seems, you're like, oh, okay. So you actually were that person. You're just also have no moral compass. Yeah. She, she is many true, true, true to the end, but she's also, you know, a Satan worshiper. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's, al- she's also a witch. Yeah. Unfortunately. Don't worry about it. That's just how many be sometimes. <laughs> okay. You should tell us about the story. For those of you who have not seen it yet. Um, I'll start at the very beginning. 
which is a very, very good, good place, place to start. To start. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie starts with Rosemary and Guy. Rosemary is a, a, way too young for Guy um, in kind of like a housewife seems like. And Guy is this stage actor who's just moved to Bramford, which is this very large apartment building, very old apartment building in New York City. Um, in case you they, didn't know, move into it. he's been in Luther and he's also been in a number of TV oh roles. Oh my God. Oh my God, so tired of hearing her hype him up for his tiny roles. Like, I don't care. He sucks. So they move into Bramford. Um, their friend Hutch is like, uh, I've heard some pretty weird things about Bramford um, that have to do with like them eating children, um, some murder, some witchcraft. And they're like, pish posh, Hutch, pish, pish posh. Also, so- I just want to shout out that Bramford is actually a spoopy place. Wait, this is a real place. So this is a real place. It's not called Branford, but it is a real place. And in this like very historic luxury home, they it had a lot of different wealthy celebrities who lived there. It had Boris Karloff. It had Lauren Bacall. It had Judy Garland. And most importantly and most spookily, it gained notoriety from John Lennon dying right outside that building. Like oh, very close damn. to where the character of Terry felt her death. Oh, damn. I know. There's a oh, lot God. of weird true crime shit that leaks into this. Like, for example, like that, that Roman Polanski's wife, Sharon Tate, was murdered by um, not Marilyn Manson. Jesus. But murdered by um, Charles Manson with the Charles whole Helter Manson. Skelter movement. Yes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's like See, a lot. okay, I don't like true crime. I don't like it. And that's why I like horror movies because they're separate. They're insulated. They're not real. Then you guys are like, let's cover Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> and I have to s- stumble through all this horrifying, icky, well, gross No, stuff. I'm okay with true crime. What I'm not okay with is no. gross celebrities. My pa- <laughs> I, Honestly, my like, I'm much more chill with like the story of a serial killer than I am with the story of a weird, pervy uh, celebrity. Because it's like people in power who it's it's all about power and the and the corruptness of power and that grosses me out way more than any like isolated evil person if that makes sense i guess it does yeah it it does make sense well back back to witchcraft so rosemary moves in she's in the basement she meets terry there's a line where she's like oh i thought you were victoria vetri or whatever her name is vetri victoria vetri i don't know i wasn't born Um, in the 1850s well, that's that's the actress who's playing Terry. Oh, so it's funny. kind of a weird moment. <laughs> it see, it sounds funny. Like it's like, oh, I thought you were Victoria Vetri, and she's like, no, I'm Terry, but it's played by Victoria. Vetri. I bet that was funny to like, the that's cute. people who watched it. Maybe it would take me out of it. So, like the way I think about it is, if I was watching a movie and someone was like, oh, I thought you were Keanu Reeves, and Keanu Reeves is like, silly you, <laughs> like we go up to Buffy. I thought <laughs> you were weird. Sarah Michelle Gellar, but you're Buffy. You'd be like, what? <laughs> I. Th- I thought you were Sandra Bullock. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's just, it takes me out of it a little bit. But she meets Terry Genofrio. She's a young recovering drug addict who talks like a Brady Bunch, but says much darker stuff than that. Which I kind of love um, the combo. I do. It's it's very 60s and fun. And she's living with Minnie and Ronan, or Roman, um, who are the neighbors. They're they're the new neighbors. Well, I guess, I guess we should say 
Rosemary's the new neighbor. True. And they've been living there for a very long time. Very and true. so they've taken in Terry as her own. One night, Terry apparently jumps to her death because she's found on the floor um, outside of the apartments. Um, they, they meet the Cassavettes and they're like, oh my goodness, what could have happened here? They manage to grow close to them, especially Guy, the husband, gets really close with the Cassavettes. And Rosemary's like, these people are very nosy and annoying. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> and I'm let's tired keep of them. a safe distance. Yeah, let's not go over to their house I was every also, day. And I'm, Guy's like, no, we love I them. I was also immediately confused by the fact that like these people who were taking care of Terry like show up and they're like, that's her like they're just like oh yeah they're so chill Unfazed. i was just like y'all need to be more upset but i guess that's foreshadowing it's super foreshadowing well, yeah minnie's like oh well oh darn oh i've written oh, such a shame <laughs> i was literally thinking i was like, like is this how new yorkers act <laughs> like i was just confused i was like are they i desensitized? think so they're very de- the cast of vets are desensitized i'll tell you that well speaking of terry terry always had a little pendant with um, some tannis root inside of it that Minnie had given her as a good look charm, and it stinks. Um, and Minnie gives that charm to Rosemary as a good look charm later. And, you know, Rosemary's like, that's kind of weird, but I'll wear it because I'm a very polite girl. Meanwhile, Guy has just been cast in a really great play um, because the lead actor suddenly and inexplicably went blind. Bummer. And so Guy... Well, real bummer but good for guy right what a weird way to make it in the world so his acting career is booming and so he's like hey you know what rosemary let's have a baby i actually do want to have a baby so they have this big romantic night planned um and suddenly minnie shows up because that's how nosy <laughs> neighbors do minnie shows up and she's brought two cups of chocolate mousse or as she calls it mouse for their dessert Rosemary's like, my mousse tastes kind of funny. It's got a chalky undertaste to it, and she won't eat it. But Guy is being a big baby about it. He's like, well, the night's ruined. You're ungrateful. Yeah, truly. Off zero out of ten person. And she's like, no, it's fine, and dumps it all in her napkin, which is a cloth napkin. Ew. I know. Dumps it all in her napkin. When she was cleaning it off to put in the garbage, like, I hope that washes out. Like, it didn't look like it was going to. It won't. (laughs) It's not going to wash out. But she she dumps it in her napkin so he doesn't know that she didn't eat all of it because she just doesn't want to get in a fight tonight because she wants to have a baby. Which sounds, and let then, me just say that that is a red flag for a healthy relationship. If you're having to dump your food out so you, you don't get have to pressure eat it because of your partner. Yeah, that's that's bad. That's toxic. So she dumps everything out. Um, Then they're like, oh, okay, we're going we're gonna to have lovey baby time. But then she's really drunk all of a sudden like dizzy and falling over and he's like oh well you've been drinking too much you big drunky wino (laughs) and carries her off to bed then she starts to hallucinate she has this horrible creepy weird dream that she's being raped by basically satan as her husband the cassavettes and a bunch of other people in the in the building are watching her and um no everyone's naked and um it's a horrible horrible scene and then the next morning she wakes up and she has scratches on her body on her back and and her husband guy is like oh yeah sorry i didn't want to miss baby night fucking oh my god that scene i was like excuse me i had to pause to process that it was so i think i paused too i was like did that just happen terrible 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 um 
awful. So Rosemary becomes pregnant and she's due the last week of June. Guy immediately wants to tell the Cassavettes, weird. Um, and they're like, oh, you need to talk to our friend. It's Dr. Saperstein, who's this huge um, OBGYN. You got to see him. Dr. Hills, who you're seeing? Well, you might as well see a clown. You need to see Dr. Saperstein. So she goes to see him and because she, she's having really bad abdominal pains and she's losing weight. And everyone's like, oh, it's fine to lose weight in the first trimester. It's not fine. Let me just put that out yeah. there. I am not an OBGYN, but it's not fine. It's not not okay, guys. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, don't take your prenatal vitamins that other weirdo doctor gave you. You want your neighbor to make you a drink of herbs and raw milk. chai seeds in it. Or raw raw egg. I'm sorry. It was raw egg and milk and seeds. Don't do that. Salmonella is real. Don't do that. Salmonella is very real. But, you know, they're smoking, you know, and drinking, (laughs) doing shots of vodka. Like, let's celebrate this pregnancy with a shot. (laughs) They literally did, (laughs) Emma. They did. It was so crazy watching in like the 21st century. Asshole guy is like, but you watch yours. I know how drunk you get. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause he's awful in every moment. He's like, now it's wine or cocktails, not cocktails and wine. Uh Uh Also, I raped you. Except I didn't. I actually let my friend say you. Oh my God. Like it couldn't get worse and then it does. Horrible, horrible man. You know, they originally considered Robert Redford for this role. They wanted him for this role, which I could not imagine sweet Robert Redford doing this. And I don't have to because he said no. He was like, this person seems like a rapey Magoo. I think I'm out. (laughs) I don't need that. Yeah. He's like, "Uh, this doesn't really fit my brand. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take a big step back if that's all right. So Rosemary's having these horrible, horrible abdominal pains. I love this moment where she's throwing a party for her friends and she's like, you have to be under 60 to enter. So the cast of vets can't fucking yeah, come. I, I, I love that. They can't come. I love that. And then her friends are there, all her lovely friends. Throughout the movie, I, I really enjoyed that she, that Rosemary was sharp throughout all of it. She is the opposite yes. of the horror um teen girl who runs up the stairs like she does she I feel like she is so on top of it very early she's just aware of odd things and making note of them and trying to just remove those things she's doing them in like a subtle quiet way as she would but I like I just really liked that there were no takes where I was like why the hell is isn't she doing this like as an audience member I was like yeah all of this makes sense well, you also have to remember, because it's easy to get frustrated with why are you still staying with this horrific, horrible person? But this is the time where this is like the 60s. Like she doesn't have no all of that any agency outside of this marriage. All of that stuff is indolent and he's not like actively hitting her. He's just being kind of a dick, you know, and like he's he's being more than kind of a dick. Yeah, he did rape her. Um, yeah. And all of that's horrible and awful. But like within the context of the time, I'm not surprised that she didn't get up and leave at that moment. But I love that she's, that was happening that within the confines of kind of her, what she's expected to do as a wife, she's doing lots of little subtle things to take care of herself and her baby, such as saying, I don't quite know what's going on, but I don't want those creepers at my party. Yeah, she sure did. Well, I liked who was at her party, her, her girlfriend's, who were there whenever she's like in the kitchen and she's clearly not doing okay. And they're like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. And they're like, "Mm." and they just completely take care of her. And then 
nosy magoo guy tries to come in and they're like no get out and he's like well i need to wash a dish and like use the fucking bathroom sink get out and then he's and then he's like those bitches i'm just like what this man yes he's horrible because they're like this isn't right you shouldn't be in pain right now you need to see your other doctor we don't like who this doctor you're talking about he sounds like a sadistic horrible person go to dr hill go to any other doctor and she says that she tells guy because she still thinks that she can trust her husband no and guy is like well if you want to go to dr hill i'm not paying for it like you're not doing it and then suddenly her pain goes away and then everything's fine. She's like, oh, everything's okay. She forgets about everything. Oh, meanwhile, I forgot to mention Hutch, who was her like best friend, who was like, mm, you're moving where? I'd think twice, has come to visit her, has deduced that something is amiss, and suddenly falls into a coma. I l- and so three months later... I love that as soon as he meets Roman... That he is immediately like, that guy's got weird eyes. I, I just loved, I loved 100%. The, that it wasn't like, send that man to prison. But it was just like an immediate, like a guy who's kind of not, like not inundated with the situation. Who's just coming in as a good friend saying, that guy's weird. This isn't right. Yes, this isn't right. I don't like your weird fungus necklace. I don't like, what drinks is he making you? I don't like that. Like, I he was just like, no, 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 no. And then his glove is goes missing, which means oh, he's about to get cursed. So he slips into a coma. Rosemary forgets about it because suddenly her baby's moving and everything's fine. And then she gets a call late, many months later that Hutch has died. So and apparently right before he died, he briefly regained consciousness and said to give Rosemary this book. And so the book is delivered to her at the funeral and it's called All of Them Witches. Um, which is hilarious because I know it's supposed to mean like all of and all of them were witches, like all of them witches. But all I hear, <laughs> all them witches, <laughs> all them witches, <laughs> all of them witches. And also he gives her this cryptic message that the name is an anagram, which is goofy. And I love it. It's fun. Um, so Rosemary uses her Scrabble tiles to figure out that Roman Castavet is an anagram for Stephen Mercado, who is the son of the the satanist who lived in the apartment building so she's like "Mm, official no they're not coming anywhere near near me there's a coven they want my baby they want my baby's blood no they're not coming anywhere near me and guy's like what you're crazy and takes a book throws it in the trash awful so rosemary has to basically run away from her captors so she runs to dr hill the first obgyn who was normal and um and he of course thinks that she's crazy i'm talking about satanists and witches and so he calls the husband and dr saperstein to come take escort her home which is a horrible 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 moment they continue to gaslight her and that she's crazy and then she runs up the escalator or runs up the elevator runs into her room tries to lock herself in the apartment but somehow they're all in the apartment even though she locked the door that's weird and they are all there and they're like you're fine everything's fine i did not even put together how they were in her apartment and i'm just now putting together and i love it i also love that they shadow they foreshadow um the use of the elevator at the very beginning of the movie. And I thought that was really well done because it was just a random scene of them going up an elevator, but I remember it. And so it makes sense later whenever she usurps the elevator to escape. 
Yeah, they also showed the Scrabble tiles. They were they were playing Scrabble. And yes. she uses it to figure I out also, what the anagram is. All of that's in the book. I also by the loved way. watching her play with the Scrabble tiles. I thought I loved seeing her um, take agency over her own life and just show herself being sharp. I just like really enjoyed that. I did too. Well, she's not sharp for long because they sedate her um, as she's going into labor. And then she wakes up and she's told, eh, there were complications. The baby's dead. In the book, they but, in the book they say that she had an ectopic pregnancy, which is ironic because at the very beginning she was having contractions and she was worried it was an ectopic pregnancy. Oh, yeah. And the doctor's like, what did I tell you about reading books? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Gross. The men in this movie, other than Hutch, are all terrible. Also, for the record, if you ha- are, if you're, you go to a doctor and they say you're pregnant and they look at it with an ultrasound, it's not an ectopic pregnancy because that literally an ectopic pregnancy literally means it's in a, the wrong part. Like it's it's not growing in your uterus. So if you've gone to they the, didn't look at it with an ultrasound. No, I'm just saying like for people in real life, you can't have an ectopic oh, you once mean you've been. Who are com- listening yeah, are worried. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's that's good advice, Doctor Emma. Thank you. Well, she finds out that her baby was, um, quote unquote, dead, but then also noticed that um, they're saving her breast milk that she's pumping. And they're like, why, why are you doing that? Oh, I. And they're like, don't worry about it. I don't like it messy. I liked that a yeah, lot. Yeah. Don't, don't, oh, yeah. Because she, she, she does a test where she takes her soup spoon and goes to just put it in the jar with its breast milk. And they're like, don't do that. And she's like, why not? Why can't I do that? Oh, it's just, it's messy. Yeah. And I liked, as you, I liked the visual. Uh, so she she stops take she doesn't take one of her pills and she slips it in this little wedge in her backboard and then you can see that she slipped like five of those pills so I liked that as a way of putting us in the context of what things going on and what the timeline looks like and also she's starting to hear a baby crying somewhere and she's like that's super weird um she thinks that the baby her baby's alive even they're like huh that's no it's just some neighbors moved in you're being crazy again also why are you so stressed out we can make a new one in a couple of months ew you was right ew 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 (laughs) so she's like fuck all of this she goes into the closet where they were the, the original tenant had put a barrier previously and they were just like hmm that's weird she's like I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and check out that closet again finds out there's a hidden door that leads into Minnie and Roman's apartment she goes in there with a knife all the coven members are just having a a great time partying around this black bassinet with an upside down cross hanging over it she looks in it and of course you know what it is already something's wrong with that baby it's a demon baby (laughs) She's like, what are you talking about? Those aren't guys' eyes. What did you do to his eyes? Yeah, they're like, <laughs> that. that's not when she's the sharpest. Whenever she, they're like, he has his father's eyes. And she's like, but guys' eyes don't look like that. And guys, like, doesn't you mean have, Satan. <laughs> guy doesn't have blazing red eyes. What are you talking about? Guy doesn't have talons. <laughs> but basically, they take an interesting approach. They're not just like, eh, get rid of you. They're like, listen. That's your that's your baby. Yeah, he's the son of Satan. He's, you know, Adrian, hail Satan. But um, that's that's your baby. You should mother the child. You don't have to join the coven. You don't have to join if you don't want to. But you should at least take care of the baby. And Guy is even like, listen, we're going to move to Hollywood. I'm famous now. It was so worth it, right? We can have another oh one. We can have another one. Don't worry about it. Now we're rich and famous. She spits on him, which I love. Um, she spits on him, which is great. But she does ultimately go over to the cradle and start rocking it. What do you think of that ending? I thought it was a, a perfect ending. It, yeah, it's really dark. 
Um, but I think it fits with her character. Um, it does. And I think that you can, I think from learning about the character and getting to know her through watching this movie, which was two hours. So you've got some time to get to know this character. Um, it kind of fits with this, her passiveness and her hope for something better. So I can totally see her wanting to, to, seeing this as her child feeling responsibility to this child and just kind of hoping things will get better and that she can raise a a halfway normal child i don't i'm not optimistic that that's going to happen for her i'm not either i really thought she was going to stab the baby but i also don't think that that i would have loved if she had done that but i also understand the character not stabbing the baby or not jumping through the window i think that would work too I don't think you could stab your baby. Well, if it has demon eyes and a tail and talons, you might get close. It'd have to be like scaly and growling. (laughs) It couldn't be cute. If it was a cute demon, I'd be like, give me that little demon baby. (laughs) If it was a cute demon, you keep it and name it Raja. So there you have it. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's the movie. It, It is time to rate and rank this movie. Um, I, I honestly want, I, a part of me wants to abstain because I don't like this. I don't like talking about this movie. I don't like giving this movie more credit than it likes, than it deserves. I don't like that it's in the Library of Congress. I don't like any of anything about talking about this movie. So a, a part of me really does want to abstain do you wanna, from rating it. Do you want to not do that? I do want to not do it, if that's okay with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Because right. I know if we so did it, episode, we're not- I know if we did it, it would end up towards the top. And I really don't want to give this movie with all of its problems. I don't really want to put it even above the movies that I don't think are as good, but were written and um, directed not by perverts. So I support yeah, you. Yeah, that. that's exactly how I feel. We did. So Jeepers Creepers had um, a similar issue where it was written by a very, very horrible, abusive person. And we put it at the bottom. But the, I don't. I don't want to get questions like, why, why did you put Rosemary's baby at the bottom? Let's just, I'm glad that we talked about it with each other and with our club members. Like, I think it's an important movie. Yeah. And I'm glad that we've we've addressed it. it. But I think that we've addressed it and I think it's time to let it go. Yes, let this one go. I don't need to watch it again. I know about it. Um, it's a great story. It's a really great story. I really, really enjoyed the acting in this, especially... Um, Mia Farrow and Ruth Gordon. I thought they were absolutely phenomenal. If you really um, loved this, uh, loved this film, what you should do uh, is go buy the book. That's what you should do. I agree. You should go buy the book. All right. Well, I guess that wraps that up. Um, so that's actually all we have. Um, I want to thank everybody for for being a part of our episode um, and. Stay tuned for our next episode where we will be doing a mini-sode. Um, we have just finished up. If you've not listened to them, go listen to our creepy pastas, which were an absolute delight to record. And I, I, so I hope you enjoyed them as much as we enjoyed reading them. Um, it was really a fun time. But now it's time for something new. So we love any suggestions you may have for creepy pot or excuse me, for mini episodes. Just for context, mini episodes don't, aren't about anything in particular. We literally find something tangential to horror and just 
tell you about it and just talk to each other about it. So it's a very, very open space. So if you have anything that you think is interesting um, and want us to cover, just send us an email. Um, and then the last bit that I just want to just want to mention to y'all is if, if you enjoyed this, uh, that hopefully means that other people would enjoy it too. Um, so help do them a favor, help them find it. So all of that to say, uh, please go rate and review our show in iTunes and on Apple podcasts. We very, very, very much appreciate it. Um, and it'll, it makes, makes our little day happy whenever we get a a new review or rating. It does. It really does help the algorithms that be, uh, tell other people about this show. So ratings and reviews are great. Also, if you want to just tell your aunt, your cousin, your roommate about this show, if they like horror movies or if they don't, Emma hates them. Yeah, no. I, and we do have, before I was, we have a good amount of club members who don't like horror movies that listen. Before I was a co-host on the podcast, I was a listener and it wasn't because I loved horror movies because I don't. It was because I was curious about, I like movies in general and I, there are so many movies that are important to pop culture and to Americana and I just wanted to know about them. So if you have a friend who's just tangentially related, maybe it's your girlfriend who hates horror movies. She might appreciate being able to talk about the movies with you without actually having to sit down and squirm. That's right. That's Emma Emma does that for her. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm doing all of, all of the people who hate horror movies and doing their job. Um, so <laughs> that's all that we have. Um, if you have, again, if you have anything that you want us to cover, please just shoot us an email at nightlighthorrormoviclub at gmail.com and stay tuned for our website, which is under construction. So get excited. Yay, under construction. Kate, do you have anything else to add? Uh, yes, I do. Something very important. As always, stay spoopy. <laughs> stay spoopy, guys. <laughs>